0: Thank you for listening to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Come on, you guys to do better than that. How you doing? You slept in, like me, sort of. How you guys doing? Really, really. All right. See, so it gets quieter. You're like, well, let me think about it. Let me think. How is it? How is it going? Is 2022 a lot better than 2021 so far? Okay. All right. We got some work to do. All right. That's good. That's good. I like getting work done. Well, here's the beautiful thing about life, is it's a work in progress, right? And um, sometimes you find out that you're actually human. That's what I love about the Bible, is you open it up and you read about these people who weren't perfect. They were far from it. They were struggling. They were living life. They were falling down, and then they were getting back up, yet God was still pursuing them, Have you ever been in a place where you thought God was done with you? You thought maybe he should be? But then you woke up one day and you realized he was still there? I know I've been there. Recently I've been there, you know? You think pastors are perfect, we're far from it. Far from it, but we're a work in progress too. That's why I have so much empathy for you because I know me, you know? I know that we're uh, fighting the same fight. You know, we're waking up in the same, breathing the same air. We're on the same earth at the same time, dealing with the same things. Uh, you'd be shocked at what us pastors know about people. It's funny. Uh, I used to, my friends used to say, Hey, you, you live in a bubble, man. You know, you're in this church world. I'm like, I don't live in a bubble. Trust me, I know the worst about everybody. I do not live in a bubble. And I know that everybody struggles, and no one's perfect, and the closer you get to them, the more you realize it. But, there's a huge but here, but we have a God who does love us, and a God who takes care of us. And I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that. I believe that, and I know that to be true. And no matter what happens in life, I'm going to hold on to that, and I hope you do too. I really do. Um, And so today, we're going to start a new series. So what we're going to do, I was was hoping to do this three weeks in a row on on, uh, third service, but what we're going to do is we're going to start it today. Uh, It's called Learning to Love, and it's a series about this love story that we currently find ourselves in. Some of you guys are like, oh, that's boring, but let's let's be honest. You watched The Notebook. I know you did, and you liked it. You did. Liked it. You don't have to admit it now, but... I know, you know, admit it to your wife later on and then maybe you'll get lucky. Who knows, right? Um, So learning to love. We're going to talk about loving God today. Then in two weeks, Pastor Doug's going to be here next week. And then in two weeks, we're going to talk about loving others, loving the people around us, the people that God has brought into our lives. And then the third week, we're going to talk about loving the one, loving the person that God has, uh, has put us with. And uh, for better or for worse, right? And then the following day is Valentine's Day, so it should be like this for me. I, I am not the person to talk about that stuff, but it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. So um, you guys will at least get a kick out of watching me struggle through that one. So um, so today we're talking about loving God, and uh, let's pray. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us, to show us what he wants to show us. How many of you guys, honest to, honest to goodness, how many of you guys believe that God himself can actually communicate with you? He can actually talk to you today. Yeah, right? I believe it too. How many of you guys think you need to be perfect for that to happen? You don't because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? He took our sins, which means that we are clear. In the, in the, in the olden days, in the Bible days, the priests had to be cleansed of their sins. They had to go through rituals, and they had to do all of these things to make sure that they were clean before they went into the temple of God. And if they weren't, they, they, they tied a rope around them in case they had sin in their life. And so if they had sin in their life, they would fall over dead and they'd pull them out by a rope. And that's scary. I wouldn't wanted to, I wouldn't wanted to live under that uh, rule, but we don't live under that rule because Jesus took our sins for us. So we can all walk straight into that temple and be fine. And so when I say that, I, I'm saying that we all have connection with God, whether we believe it or not. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that we have a connection with you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that... You haven't given up on us. Lord, I pray, God, that today our eyes and our hearts would be open to you. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you would speak through me, Lord. I pray, God, that you would show everybody here what you want to show them, Lord. Anoint this, God. Let your Holy Spirit be here. We need you. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to start... um, I don't, man, there's like a long version of this uh, message that I feel like I could give, and then there's a shorter version of this message that I feel like I could give, and um, I have to give the shorter version because it's Sunday morning, and you guys, you know, we only have so much time, and there's kids programs, and if I go three hours, half of you guys would probably leave, right? No, okay, so, well, you're you're the other half, sir, I appreciate that, um, but, but we only have a certain amount of time. But the truth is we only have a certain amount of memory space too, right? We can only retain so much. And so I'm going to share with you guys some stuff today uh, that I um, believe is important for today. That I believe God gave me for today. But it is not exhaustive. There's a lot more to this. And if you pay attention, you'll notice that I uh, preach um, about this all the time. And there's a reason. When I was uh, 21 years old, which is a solid 20 years ago now, which is insane. Um, I wanted to be in marketing and advertising. That was my goal. That's where I was what I was going to school to do. That's what I like doing. I like creative work. I still love it. I still do some of that stuff, but not uh, as much because I do this, right? Um, and, and And at that time, I was uh, the the default youth pastor because the youth pastor left, and there were some kids and they didn't have a leader. They asked, the church asked a couple other people to do it. They said, no way. We're not hanging out with those kids. They're ruthless. So I was already with them. And, uh, and I guess I was kind of one of them. I was 21 years old. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. But I didn't know what I was doing. Okay? And, and that's kind of been my pattern throughout life. Is I'll, I'm so dumb. I raise my hand and say, I'll do it before I know how to do it. And um, that's kind of been the VBF way, actually. We call it throwing our hat over the fence. Because if you throw your hat over the fence, you got to go get it, right? And so we commit to things that are higher than us, and then God has to come through. And so that's what happened. I uh, took a group of kids to camp. I've told the story probably 100 times, so I apologize if you heard it before. I'll tell the quick version. Uh, I took a bunch of kids to camp and we went to a Pentecostal camp. It was a four-square camp, and it was a great camp. It was awesome. The people were amazing, but there was one leader who showed up out of nowhere one night in a suit, and he got up, and he uh, asked everybody to come up front and to bow their faces to the ground, and he just asked everybody to do that in the whole place, and so there was space. Everybody did it. I was in the very middle with my face on the ground, and he said, now I want you to think right now. What is God speaking to you? What is God telling you right now? He said, whatever it is, I want you to do it. I want you to follow God. And I felt like God told me to get up and leave. (laughs) That's what I felt. I I felt like, oh, strongly. I'm like, and I'm I'm laying there with my face on the ground. All these kids, all these adults, they're like looking at me, and they already know I'm Ron Vietti's son, and there is a reputation there. So, I'm laying there, and I okay. Uh, that's what I'm gonna do then. I'm gonna I'm gonna take this guy. You know, I'm gonna take this guy's word. I should listen to what God says. So I get up and I look around me, and I'm like tiptoeing over people. Sorry, stepping on their hands. My bad. Sorry. Just stay stay in the spirit. You're good. You're good. My bad. And I leave, and I go out, and um, and I remember praying and saying, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I, they, how can I be their leader? I have no idea what I'm doing. And God, at that moment, led me to the passages I'm about to read you. And he said, teach this for the rest of your life. So I'll read that passage in a moment. But I went back in. And when I went back in, there's a spirit of confusion. And our kids were confused. And they were frustrated. And What had happened was this leader, this person, I don't remember who they were. I don't know who they were, so I'm not throwing anybody in the bus. But he called everybody up and said, if you don't speak in tongues, you can't be saved. Basically, that was the message that these kids got. You have to speak in tongues. You have to do this. And these kids were bawling and crying. They were hurt because they, they were trying to do something that was genuine and it wasn't happening. This guy was forcing the timing. Now, I'm not against speaking in tongues if somebody wants to do that. If somebody wants to get crazy with God, I, I, as long as it doesn't cause disorder in the church, I'm okay with it. Go for it. Go nuts. Go out and howl at the moon for Jesus. Whatever, right? But, but when, it's, when it's forced on people and it's not in God's timing, I have a problem with that. I've always had a problem with that. Because God is doing something in people's lives, and he's working with everybody individually. And yes, that can happen corporately. The spirit can move and something amazing can happen corporately. But maybe one or two people aren't ready for that. And so I came in and these kids were crying. The next day, uh, my leaders came to me and said, these, these girls were bawling all night long because they didn't think they could ever be saved. Because they couldn't do this thing. And, and I just, I, I, I said, okay, I don't know how to fight against all these things. All I know is to find the truth and speak the truth. And God led me to this passage. He led me to this passage. And this is the anchor passage for me. Matthew 22, 34 says this. But when the Pharisees heard and the context of this is the Sadducees are a group of religious leaders, they're like the upper echelon. Uh, they are rich, they are in power, they are the priests uh, of the temple. And then you have the Pharisees who are like the working men's men, the VBFers, okay? They're they're rough and tumble and, and they believe. In, so there's two groups and they kinda don't get along but they uh, unite in their hatred for Jesus because Jesus is is, is basically um, in a place where he is through threatening their power, right? And so the Sadducees had just tried to stump Jesus and put him in his place. It didn't work. And now the Pharisees, it's their turn. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, that's important. He's a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, this seems like it should have been a kind of a duh moment for us, right? Because we read it, we know this, we've heard this a hundred times, we've heard it once. But this Pharisee was coming from a different point of view. He was a lawyer, right? And um, if you know anything about the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they believed only in the Torah, nothing else, which is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They believed in that, and that was it. And This lawyer was in the presence of the Sadducees, right? And this lawyer was somebody who lived his whole life, devoted his whole life to understanding and prosecuting the law. And the law is found in the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? It's actually found after, in in Exodus, we're given the Ten Commandments, right? The people are out of control. They had just been enslaved for generations, and Moses takes them out and leads them through the desert, and they are out of control. They don't know how to behave, and so what they need is discipline. If you ever met somebody who had to go to Teen Challenge or had to go, maybe some of you guys have had to go through something like that, a program, you realize the importance of discipline when you're you're out of control, right? Maybe you had to go through rehab. Maybe you had to go through a time where you're just like, okay, I have to stop right now, and I have to reconfigure things in my mind because I'm out of control. Well, the context of that is discipline, and sometimes you have to make strict rules for yourself to make sure that you don't go out of bounds and you don't mess up and go backwards again, right? And that's what was going on. These people, I guess you could say they were kind of in rehab, right? And so God gave them the Ten Commandments. And from the Ten Commandments, uh, there's 613 commandments in uh, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. And this lawyer would have known that very, very well. He would have known all of them. And so when he came to Jesus, he was saying, which one's the most important? Because that would have been uh, a subject of debate, right? This one, or that one, or this one, or that one. And so to get you to kind of further understand this, um, I was going to uh, take this Bible. Now, before I get there, uh, I looked up love in uh, in on a word search on Bibles. And so the King James Version, uh, it, it, love is spoken of 310 times, okay? And in the NIV, uh, it's spoken of 574 times. So if you want to be a loving Christian, you read the NIV Bible, right? And if you want to be uh, really mean, read the K- King James Version. It's, it's okay. So <laughs> so I have a King James Version right here. So it's, it's important for you guys to understand, okay, where this guy was coming from. So first of all, The New Testament that didn't exist. Okay, so we're it's already a lighter Bible, easier to carry. So the New Testament hadn't been written yet; it was being written right now, right? And then this guy would have focused more on the Torah, not the rest of it. So that's yeah, much easier to carry, right there, right? Much easier to carry. So, yeah, I'm defacing the Bible on stage. It's a King James Version. It's okay. It's not a big deal, right? My point is, is he only focused on this part of the word, right? He was focused on the law. This is the law. The rest of it are stories. The rest of it is about God and his people. But what's really interesting is even though there's 613 rules in here, The story, the entire story of God can actually be found only in the Torah. If you were somebody who didn't have another Bible, but you just picked up these first five books, you could still find the beautiful story of God in here. I apologize to the King James lovers, um, but you guys don't love anyway, so it's fine. It's not a big deal. You do, you just love less. It's it's not, you know, it's a... (laughs) I kid, I kid. But do you see the point that I'm trying to make? Is that this guy focused so much on the law that he missed the point. Now, if I were to look in the Torah and I were to pull out the very beginning of the Torah, I would find that there is a story to be told. It's not just a book of rules. It's not just a book of laws. It's not just a book of you better do this or else or don't do that or else because that is what the world that I grew up in, right? I grew up in this world of you better not. And then my dad's generation was even worse. You better not play with cards. You better not do this or else. God is an angry God. He will smite you. You're gonna go straight to hell. But yet they missed the whole beautiful story, this love story that God was creating that he started in the book of Genesis and we're a part of still. Look at Genesis chapter one. Chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and and every other creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, the people. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over this fish that I created, have dominion over these birds that I created, of the heavens and over everything, every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant, every yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made for us, by the way. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, second day. So God created everything for us. It's a love story. It's a love story. And that's the beginning of the Torah, That's the beginning of the first five books. And if this Pharisee, this lawyer, if he would have known, if he would have looked at that part of the story instead of just the rules of it, then he wouldn't have missed what was so obvious that the most important thing is love. The most important thing is falling in love with this God who loves us, who created us because he wanted companionship and he wanted to be with us and I know that this sounds like we're putting ourselves on a pedestal but the truth is is that God wanted to be a father and he wanted us to be his kids and he created us so that we could live with him look at the near the end of the Torah in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 30 says this for this is the command uh, verse 11 says this is the command commandment that I command you today is it not too hard for you, neither, neither is it for, uh, far off. It is Is it not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. Okay, so what he's saying is it's not difficult. This is not, this is not difficult. Like, yes, we're going to give you some laws. I'm going to give you some laws, some rules, okay? Because you're going to get out of control, and I'm going to have to give you rules but you are always going to know exactly what to do. So many Christians come to me, what do I do, what do I do? Here it is, here it is, it's not far, it's not across the ocean, it's right here. It says in verse 14, but the word is very near you, it is in your mouth and it is in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life, and good, and death, and evil, if you obey the commandments of the Lord, that your God, uh, Lord your God, that I commanded you today, I got to use my glasses, get into that age, 41, all right. If you obey the commandments of the Lord, that your God, I, that, that, your God that I commanded you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statues and his rules. Then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will perish. You surely will perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going to over to the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Do you see what's happening here? God is not saying, do this my way or else I will be angry. He's saying, please come with me. I'm gonna show you what life I can give you. I'm going to show you the blessings that I can give you. I'm going to show you everything. And that whole entire story was in the first five books of the Bible. But then the laws and the prophets and the Psalms and the Proverbs, all these uh, wisdom books and all these beautiful, beautiful stories and the New Testament all continue to tell that same story. And so when Jesus tells this lawyer that the most important thing in the world is is to love God with all your heart and to love the people around you. He's making a fool of this man because he was so focused on the part that didn't matter as much. And he forgot and didn't know the context. I wrote this note, the lawyer had devoted his life to knowing and prosecuting the law as his profession, but he paid no attention to the context the story of God who created the people to be in a relationship with him. He missed the point because it was too easy. It was too easy. See, we live in this world where it is, I'm trying to think of how to to say this, where we worship in a way, culturally speaking. We worship the hero. We worship the athletes that make the shot, or we worship the actor in a movie who looks like they're doing something amazing, but they're just an actor, right? And it's, yeah, I get it. It's, it's a skill. It's awesome. But we worship these people. We put them on a pedestal, right? We're at a place where, where we, we look and, and we think, oh, man, like, if I'm going to be anything in life, then I have to be that. I have to be everything. Whereas God would say stop looking at that oasis, that delusion, that thing that's not real and start looking at what's right in front of you. The obvious. The fact that there are people that God has brought into your life and there's a God who's here always and you can love him and you can spend time with them and you can pray. You can wake up and say, "Good morning, God. What do you got for me today? What are we doing today?" That's the life, I think, that God intends for us to have. And so I have four points I'm going to try to get through fairly quickly, but the first one is what we've been talking about, is life is not a destination or a series of accomplishments. It's a love story. It's a love story between us and our God. And uh, I posted this on social last night, and somebody um, said that life doesn't feel like a love story right now. And I posted back and I said, and I don't know what this person's going through. I'm sure it's not good. I'm sure it's bad. But I posted back and I said, if a love story didn't have any lows, what kind of a love story would it be? Right? We don't we don't read a book or turn on the TV and watch a story where people just are in love the whole time. That's boring. Right? There's no value in that. What we what we do is we watch stories where the person, you know, they 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 get broken up and or the person one person is taken away by another person or one person believes a lie about the other person and there's all these ups and downs in the story well how why would we think it would be any different for us in our lives when we're down really down and let's say it's our fault and we've spit in God's face but he reaches down to grab us and pull us back up that's a love story man that's a beautiful love story and that's what we are in the second point is that loving God is self-care. You hear a lot about self-care. I was thinking about this idea um, of when you fly, you get into an airplane. And um, I used to be confused about this, and then I started understanding it as I got older. But the, the, the flight attendant would tell us, you know, if you're, if you're traveling with small children, Make sure you put your mask on first and then put their mask on. And I was like, how rude, man. you got to put the kid's mask on first. But the idea, as you know, is if you do that, you might pass out while you're doing it, right? So, So you have to put yours on first, then you can take care of somebody else. Well, loving God, I think, is for us more than it is for God. I was searching for verses, and there's a lot of verses about God's love, but I couldn't find a verse where God specifically says, I love you to us, to everybody. I couldn't find that verse, and I was talking to my buddy about it, and I was thinking, you know what? It's because God doesn't need to say I love you. When I say I love you to somebody, it's because I want something, right? It's because I want them to know I love that. It's for me. It's for me to, 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 to get that reaction or whatever it is, right? Like, like When I say I love you to somebody, it's, I, it's, it's helping me. God doesn't have to look down and say, I love you. He shows it by what he does. But when we love God, it does something for us. When we say, I love you to God, it really is self-care. It's like putting that mask on so that we can go out and help other people, right? The third uh, point is that loving God is an intentional choice. I think love in general is a choice. It's a, it's, a, it's a choice. It really is. When you get married, you uh, say your vows to love the other person, your spouse, for better or for worse, good times, bad times, all the above. It's a choice, right? It's not a feeling. It's not purely a feeling. And when you're young and in love and you're sitting there at the altar, you're feeling it, right? And you're thinking, man, this is great. This is awesome. And then you go on your honeymoon. It's still great. It's amazing, right? And then you get in your first fight and you're like, uh-oh. But it's those times that you have to choose to make up, and you have to choose to keep going. And, and, you know, some of the best marriages I know are people who fought a lot, but they learned how to fix it. They learned how to fix it. If you are in a relationship and you fight a lot, that just means you, two stubborn people ended up together, right? That's the way I see it. And if that's the fact, you know, work on it. Do what you can. You know, um... But it's an intentional choice with, with loved ones, and it's also an intentional choice with God. We have to wake up, and we have to put, we have to put rubber on the road. And, and sometimes I don't even think it matters what it is. I mean, we think we're going to wake up and impress God anyway. You know, we're going to be like, hey, God, check this out. You, you know what impresses me as a father is when my kids make something for me. It impresses me because they put effort into it. They thought about me. So when you think about that with God, maybe you're going to go out and you're going to make something and you're going to color outside the lines a little bit. But he's probably going to see it as something beautiful because you put effort into it. I think sometimes that's all God wants. It's like, I don't know, I need to do the right thing. i got to make sure I'm doing the right thing. And people stress out, especially young people. How, am I, how do I know that I'm on the right path? How do I know that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing? You don't. You don't always know. Sometimes you know after the fact, right? But God rewards effort. He rewards when we put our feet to the ground and move forward. He rewards us when we say, I'm doing it anyway. not feeling it today, but I'm doing it anyway. God rewards that. It's an intentional choice. And so I would encourage you to take that as far as you can. Write down in a journal. Some of us don't journal. Some of us do. I have like 50 journals laying around that are like a quarter filled. It's, it's a mess. I'm, I got ADD, man. But I write things down, and, and I do it because it helps me remember and it helps me commit. And so I'd encourage you guys to do that if you're not doing that. Um, it's an intentional choice. Number four, loving God is the foundation for Success. In Deuteronomy, when, it, when, when uh, Moses is speaking what God is speaking to the people, he's God's spokesperson, he's saying, choose life, choose success. And, and I was going to put spiritual success on this slide, but I thought, no, it's just success for us. That is the definition of success for us, is to be somebody who is more in love with God on our deathbed, way more in love with God on our deathbed than we were when we met him that is success, man. It really is. You can have all the money in the world, but I've seen the strongest families base their lives on a foundation of loving God and a foundation of loving the church and a foundation of loving each other. God is good, and he wants you to be financially free. He wants you to be, some of you, maybe even rich, depending on your heart. I know for some of us, uh, I I know if I had a million dollars, it would be gone in a couple weeks. So God's not going to give it to me, you know? So pray that my heart changes and that things work out. But um, so far, it ain't happening. Some of you, maybe that's what God wants. but, But I think what God wants more than anything from us is for us to be free. Right? To be free. To not be chained by anything else. Or not to be chained by anything, period. Because God doesn't chain us, right? God, God frees us. And he allows us to make our own choices. And so I think that's what God wants from us, is to be free and to be loving and to be people that other people can rely on. You know how many of those people there are? Not a whole lot. If you want to find those people, you're in a good spot to find them here. There's some good people here you can rely on, but those people are rare. They are rare. So, so, so if you want to be successful, put your eyes on that prize to be somebody that others can rely on. To be somebody that others can look to for wisdom and guidance. I know a lot of men and women who are a little older than me and they've been through life and uh, maybe they don't have millions of dollars in the bank and maybe they don't drive a fancy, fancy car, but I know that if I go up to their house, they're going to stop and they're going to talk to me and they're going to give me wisdom. And to me, those people are rich. That's what I want to become, right? Right? I want to end with um, talking about one of my favorite Bible characters in the Old Testament, King David. King David, uh, as you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a real quick version of his, of his story. Uh, but he was a shepherd boy, started off taking care of sheep. One day a lion came, David stood up to that lion, and he fought it, beat it, killed it. One day a bear came, he fought it, beat it, and killed it. He was tough. But he also knew his responsibility to take care of the sheep. And I think God looked down and saw somebody who was responsible with what he had given them and took the uh, responsibility very seriously and knew that this was God's work for him. And God looked down and said, that man can lead everyone. And he took David as a shepherd boy and he put him in situations where he would continue to stand up where he would continue to stand up, right? And so he stood up to Goliath when no one else would. And and, and it says that that he he stood up to Goliath because basically Goliath was bad-mouthing the people, but he was also bad-mouthing their God, and David didn't like it. And God gave him the tools and the ability to beat Goliath, right? David was anointed king. I think before that, actually, David was anointed king, and he had to run for his life. After that, he lived in Saul, who was the king, uh, the king at the moment. He lived in Saul's house, and Saul became jealous and chased him out of his house and chased him into the desert. And David had to run for his life. And so there he is. He's, he had beaten Goliath. He had been praised for that. He had been anointed king. He had been uh, in in a good place, but then all of a sudden he's running in the desert. He had to think to himself, man. I'm running away from my life right now in the desert. It would have been better if I would have been still taking care of my sheep. But I don't think David thought of it that way. I think David thought, we're on an adventure now, God, aren't we? And so he ran for his life. He finally became king. And it says uh, in the Bible that, um, in Acts 13, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. His purpose in life was to love God. And to honor him, not just with his mouth, but with his actions, with everything that he did, right? And so David lived his life, but then eventually he stopped fighting, and he got comfortable. And we all know the story. He looks out his window and sees a hot babe. And I feel like there's more to the story than that. But he calls for her, and then he ends up sleeping with her. And she's married to one of his warriors who's out on the battlefield fighting. He commits adultery. He makes a huge mistake. And through that, he loses a child of his own. Lots of pain. See, when we make mistakes, there are consequences, right? Um, there's forgiveness still, but there are consequences to those mistakes. But what I love about David is even though he made those mistakes, I don't love the mistakes he made. I don't love where he was at then. But I love what he did after that. He got back up. And he fought. And after he was confronted by his good friend Nathan, David wrote Psalm 51. And I'm going to read this to you. To me, this is an example of a love story. Have mercy on me, O God. so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness. and you know, then you will delight in the right sacrifices and burnt offerings and the whole burnt offerings and the bulls will be offered to your altar. So David was saying, and I and I and I think that his countenance was probably pain and crying and suffering and anguish as he wrote these words. But this was his prayer. My dad's made a point that in this scripture it says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And if we're saved, you know, we're, we live in the New Testament and God isn't taking the Holy Spirit from us. But there are consequences to sin and there should be pain. And the pain should be that we've lost that love relationship with God. And it's so important for us to understand that when we feel down, We feel like we can't move forward, that God still is there. And no matter what has happened in life, we can move forward. I know it's been a tough couple of years, right? Some of you have lost loved ones, a lot of you. And some of you have lost faith. Some of you guys just got back into church because you're out, because you got out of habit, because of COVID, because we had to shut the doors. I'm so glad that at one point we decided to open them and not turn back. Because we need to be together, and we need to feel it together, and we need to realize that we're, I hate saying we're in this together because I feel like that's oversaid, (laughs) But, but we are. We're family. Right? We're family. And if any of you guys are hurting, I want you to get prayer. Leave it here. So what I'm going to do to end is I'm going to have the prayer people come up. And um, if you want to get prayer, I want you to pray with some of these people. So go ahead, prayer guys, come on up. Um, If you don't want to pray with somebody, that's fine. Come up by yourself. If you want to stay where you are, let's do business with God. Let's just leave it here. Let's leave it here. Let's leave the past behind and let's move forward and let's get into a love relationship with God. Some of you guys, you believe, right? And that's good. You believe, that's good. James, um, he he was a he was an honorary guy. He he said that if you believe, you're on the same level as demons. So that that's good, because demons and the devil believe in God. So belief is good, it's step one, but, but the next step is relationship. The next step is letting go. The next step is, is, is throwing your heart on the table and saying, God, that's yours, take it. The next step is letting God take everything, right? Take your voice, your heart, everything. And letting him come in and discipline you and take you to another level. And sometimes that's painful, but it's worth it, man. There's nothing better than a love relationship with God. And so whatever it is that's keeping you from doing that, just lay it down. Lay it down, man. Be fearless. Perfect love casts out fear, right? Let's pray this. Father, I pray that you just give us all a fearless spirit. I pray, Lord, that we would know that there's no other way but forward. There's no other way but toward you. There's no other way but to love you and to, to know who you are. And God, I pray, Lord, that if anybody's here and needs to, to, to just, just do some business with you, Lord, leave something here. I pray that you'd put that thing on our hearts and give us the courage to leave it, to walk away. Lord, we love you and we need you. And I pray, Lord, that if anybody wants to come up and get prayer, you put it on their heart right now to do that. And I pray they would do it. They would obey. They would learn to walk in your ways because you've asked them and invited them to come to you. And I pray, Lord, that they would do that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Come up and get prayer if you need to. Other than that, we love you guys. I'll see you guys next week, or two weeks. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brendage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661 325 2251 or visit our website at VBF.org.